Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Brian Kiley. As Unitarian Universalists, we are bound together by a common set of beliefs. Not bound together by a common set of beliefs, but by our promises to support one another in our individual searches for truth and meaning, guided by our principles and drawing from many sources. We do hope that you will feel welcome here. Whatever you believe or don't believe, whoever you love, however you understand family, whatever your age, race, or ability, you are welcome here. We invite you to join us on a journey of free thought, spiritual questing, and justice-making for as long as you feel comfortable doing so. We extend a special welcome to any visitors who might be here this morning or relative newcomers, and we ask you to join us after the service for coffee and conversation. We begin our gathering acknowledging that we are located on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the histories and languages of the cultures of the First Nations, the Métis, the Inuit, and all the First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our wider community. Our community extends beyond the Sunday morning gathering, so please read the announcements in the order of service. We also have a monthly newsletter available in print and online. And you can join our virtual community on Facebook and Twitter and keep up to date with the extended uh, the actions of our community in the extended world. Now, let us prepare ourselves for worship. Let us let go, just for a time, the everyday world. We'll silence our phones and devices, if you please, and create a space in this hour to simply be together. In the spirit of love, we gather. I invite you to open in a time of reflection as we listen to a traditional, ancient, deeply meditative prelude.
I offer that as a seasonal reminder that the great pumpkins arising is just 18 days away. It is Thanksgiving for the sun and the dawn, which we did not create, for the moon in the evening, which we did not make, for the food which we plant but cannot grow, for friends and loved ones we have not earned and cannot buy, for this gathered company which welcomes us as we are from wherever we have come, for all our free churches that keep us human and encourage us in our quest for beauty, truth, and love, for all the things which come to us as gifts of being from sources beyond ourselves, gifts of life and love and friendship, we lift up our heart in thanks this day. Those words by Richard Fuchs. I would like to invite Kathy Luizel to come forward and light our chalice. Kathy often works on Sundays, and this is her third Sunday in a row she's been with us, so she has something to celebrate. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by the spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Our first term, him, herm, that was kind of non-binary, wasn't it? <laughs> Our first hymn is in the insert in your order of service. It's One Flame. It is our hymn of the month. I invite you to rise if you're willing or able or interested and sing along.
I have a story this morning, uh, an old Taoist tale. Most of you will probably have heard it at one time in your life or another, but it fits with the rest of the service, and hey, it's always fun to hear a story. So long, long ago in China, there was a farmer. Now, the farmer was not a particularly wealthy farmer, but he at least had a horse to help with his work in the fields and so on and so forth. And one day, the horse ran away. And his neighbors all said, Oh, what bad luck for you. What a terrible thing to have happen. And the farmer said, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Well, the very next day, the horse returned with seven other wild horses following behind. And his neighbors went, what good luck for you. Oh my goodness, you have eight horses now. How amazing for you. And the farmer said, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Well, the very next day, the farmer's son was trying to break one of the wild horses, fell off and broke his leg rather badly. Oh, how terrible for you. Your son is injured. He won't be able to help in the fields. What a terrible, terrible thing. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. The very next day, the recruiters came by to draft soldiers for the army to enforce their their registration as soldiers, but they passed by his son because of his broken leg. Oh, how lucky for you. I do not know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. That's the way it is. Things happen to us, and they may seem like good things, And they may seem like bad things, but we never really know. And maybe the best thing is not to get too happy or too sad. And that is our story for this morning. I'd like to invite the young people to come up and light their chalices. Their recessional song is the other piece of paper in your order of service. Guide you on your way. The song, we'll sing the song two times. Each week we take an offering to support the ongoing work of this church 
and we share half of the loose cash that comes in from that offering with an outside organization. For this month, it's Camp Firefly, which is a group that supports GLBTQ questioning youth with summer camps and providing them support and safe places to be together. And as always, uh, some people here give monthly, some people give by direct donation, so sometimes the plate just goes around, and that's fine. Uh, And we have another piece of music.
So I expect not too many people would have recognized that music. I know one person who did. That was a little gift of gratitude for my wife, Erica. A medley of music from the the console game uh, series, The Legend of Zelda, which has been around for a long time, keeps producing, and has some amazing musical scores behind it. And that was played by my favorite contemporary violinist, Lindsey Sterling. So there you go. Uh, would you please join in the song for receiving the offering printed in your order of service? Thank you for your generosity. I invite you to join in singing our very traditional Thanksgiving hymn number 128 for all that is our life. 128. You can stand. Thank you, Gordon. I have, from time to time, been accused of wearing rose-colored glasses. And while I preferred the term cockeyed optimist, I can't really object to the characterization. It's not that I don't know that bad things can happen. They can. They most certainly do. A few of them have happened to me, though I gratefully admit probably less than my fair share so far, which no doubt contributes to my sunny disposition. This congregation is entering a time of transition in a few months. So am I. So is my family. I retire in about three and a half months. 
It'll be an enormous change in our lives, all of our lives, as I try to figure out one more time what I want to be when I grow up. And this community will spend a long transition period figuring out what kind of leadership you would like to have in the years ahead. But before getting worried about it or stressing about it, maybe gratitude is a good place to start. Now, I'll start with family and friends, even the difficult ones, like the guys who won't go to the doctor, the ones who drive us mad with their politically incorrect humor, or especially during an election season, their politically incorrect politics, people who can be awkward, addicted, even abusive. In short, I hope to suggest that we can affirm worth and dignity, and if we do that, we might, and I say might, find a little gratitude for their presence in our lives. How we do that, I'll get to in a while. But before we get on to them, I think we have to start with us, this church. In our story this morning, we saw a man who had all kinds of things happen to him. People judged some of them to be good fortune and some of them to be bad, and the man just stayed balanced within himself, very Taoist, stayed balanced within himself, never getting too high or too low with any new event. He remained grounded. I'd like to suggest that he faced life's vagaries by affirming his own worth and dignity, and then by being a little bit grateful for what was good, or maybe not as bad as it might have been. These were just events in his life. But he knew who he was. And because he knew who he was and who he was not, he did not get unduly swayed by the opinions of others who said he should be suffering from bad luck or celebrating good. By trusting himself, he remained balanced during those highs and lows. He had the strength to recognize that he alone got to choose his happiness or his sadness. His sense of himself granted him the grace to be optimistic or pessimistic on his terms. I like that. He didn't dismiss the good fortune, but he enjoyed it knowing that something bad could happen. And he did not wallow in his misfortune, knowing that something good come come next. Through it all, he was never paralyzed by one extreme or the other. And I think that's a good way to live. It's something I've tried to model my life on. My optimism has me predisposed to hope for the best in all things, almost all the time. My reason keeps me understanding that things might not always work out, at which point I summon up a phrase that was taught to me long, long ago, but seems suitable for almost every occasion. Oh, well. Didn't go right? Oh, well, done now, not much I can do about it. Now, many of you have come to me in the past months since I announced my retirement and told me how much I'm going to be missed. And that's certainly been wonderful to hear, though I'm sure that there are a few folks in the congregation who are already looking eagerly ahead. But that's good, too. That's how it should be. No minister can serve anyone's needs. I've been grateful for the kindness you as a collective group have shown me over the past two decades. Our conflicts have been minimal, 
in number, mild in degree, and mostly resolved amicably and with mutual respect. This has been a safe place for me to serve a community, and for that I am most deeply grateful. But that stability is something for which you all might be grateful as well, and proud. My colleagues will tell you that in ministers' meetings I have often, to the point of tiresome, boasted about UCE and its skill at creating a safe and collaborative and respectful community. The water in which we swim is pretty calm and clear compared to some other congregations in this nation. That is a good thing. But that's likely to feel a little bit shaky soon. Both you and I are losing our respective safety blankets. There's bound to be anxiety. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. All we can do is embrace our diverging futures with energy and good intent. Still, you have something going for you. The history of this community with its uncharacteristically long ministries, 22, 9, and 17 years since 1970, has created an inherited culture that will likely influence your future in a very good way. Congregations like people and families tend to have habits, have systems that repeat. Yours have been really good ones. We're all products of our environment and our upbringing. And I'm sure you all know that sometimes we accept the messages that we are taught and sometimes we rebel or at least decide that we're going to do them somewhat differently until we turn 55 and hear ourselves laughing just like our father did and go, wow, how did that happen? My birth family included a couple of people who did not share my natural optimism. They both expected the worst possibilities to show up sometime. So they took few risks and either criticized or forbade me from taking risks. Now, I can't criticize the elder too much because this person had experienced some bad and frightening things during childhood. The younger, despite a lack of hardship, seems to have adopted the elder's worldview, which is a perfectly acceptable choice, just not mine. They're good people who chose cautious lives. They had an unerring ability to find the cloud behind every silver lining. Unlike our story, they did not muse on whether an occurrence was a good thing or a bad thing. Most events were either bad now or harbingers of bad things ahead. In keeping with our story's message, I learned something from these relatives. I discovered that I could choose differently. I didn't have to follow their path. Now, this congregation will be facing their own choices in the not-too-distant future. So will you be open to new possibilities, or will you fear the coming change and try and keep things as stable as possible? That'll be up to you. Some people think optimism and pessimism are natural states of being, personality traits, and maybe they are, but I still think we have choices. In spite of fear, we can choose to believe things will work out right. Or at least carry on in spite of the fear and keep trying for better things, no matter how bleak it seems. Of course, in spite of good signs, we can also choose to believe that everything's going to fall apart. Both positions can be 
proven for one constant is that things will change. And that for the people who believe in good, something good will happen. And for the people who believe in bad outcomes, something bad will indeed happen somewhere down the road. But until the bad outcome appears in my life, I choose to believe in good things, in the goodness of people. I will affirm others until they prove my trust has been misplaced. And when that happens, I will try my best not to cast that person out, but to learn about why they did whatever it was that hurt or threatened me. Learn the story behind their particular candles. It's easy to take offense. It's easy to judge and categorize. It's easy to turn away from someone. And for many, it is even understandable. I get it. I have been incredibly lucky and privileged and have lived my life mostly trauma-free. Others have not had that gift. They've been harmed, abused, beaten, literally or figuratively, by the events of their life. Turning away, going in behind a safe wall, is a necessary matter of self-protection. Taking yourself out of immediate danger is usually the right thing to do. And in some families, that might have meant leaving home, limiting contact, letting go of someone, knowing that they're going to fall hard, but also knowing that until they do, they will never be able to climb back out out of the bottom. Sometimes taking refuge behind a wall is the right and necessary thing to do. But I'm not sure allowing ourselves to spend years behind those walls is the best idea either. We can hurt ourselves by being overly protective. But taking chances is risky, right? Good thing or bad thing. You have to follow your heart. But the first step is not to just jump back out into the open and be vulnerable again. The first step is to go inside, into yourself. We'll be singing before our meditation the song, When I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. The journey outward, any journey outward, begins with the journey inward, with acts that center us and recommit us to living. Consider your feet, your emotional feet. They are what your heart gets to stand on. And when you are well-balanced upon them, no one can dislodge you. It is a position of strength. And when you are balanced, you can step out carefully with a bit more confidence that you're not stretching yourself out and putting yourself into a very vulnerable place. Your self-affirmation will become the protection that carries you back into the world. And yes, there are people in the world who will try to unbalance us and to control us. And some of them are family. And it's really hard to be grateful for them. But you know, we are the sum of experiences in our lives, the good and the bad. Each event shapes us. Each person shapes us. Every event, every memory, even the forgotten ones, help make us who we are. I had an aunt, as I referred to earlier. She was mean. She was nasty mean. 
But as a young woman, I learned much later that she was forced to leave behind her fiancé when the family emigrated from Ireland. When her mother became ill, she was forced to assume leadership in the family of seven daughters and go to work early. She never married. She worked as a college administrator at a Catholic school that I attended. My buddies eventually all had to do business with her, and they did not know my relationship, and she earned the nickname Dragon Lady. It's good to know that my experience was not an isolated one. She was a scary, mean, bossy bully. But at least she was that to everyone. With apologies to witches and pagans, as a child, I always thought her October 31st birthday was an appropriate one. I never liked my aunt, but even she brought some positive things into my life. She babysat my elder siblings, allowing my parents much-needed breaks. She remembered every birthday and every holiday with a card and with money. She pulled strings when necessary. I'm going off my script. She even, when I announced that I was leaving the Catholic Church and going into the Unitarian ministry, condemned me to hell and gave me $50 for school. She pulled strings when necessary to make sure we got breaks in the school, and I suspect the faculty were as terrified of her as we were. I never liked her, but I can be grateful for her life. She wasn't the aunt I wanted, and when mom died, I was cut off contact with her because I found her just too poisonous. But I begin by affirming her as a matter of principle and then try and figure out how she did it, how I can do it in practice. She lived her life, her circumstances, managed the events as best she could. And I have to honor that. I have to respect that. It is an interesting exercise to affirm people you don't like, to try and find out what you can appreciate about them. People who aren't nice, people who scare us. What can we find about people who scare us or who are not nice that we can affirm? That's a challenge. What can we appreciate about the changes that are coming, no matter how good or bad, how scary or promising they might be? Can we be grateful for what is being, even as we dream of something new? I think it's an exercise who reminds us of who we are. It demands our best. I didn't love my aunt. I don't miss her. Um, but I appreciate that she lived. If nothing else, I got 50 bucks and some good stories. I have loved this job. I have loved ministry like no work I have ever done before and probably will do going forward. But it's time to do something different, something new and frightening, something to stop being safe. Is it a good decision or a bad one? I don't know. But as I stand and face the future, as I breathe in and breathe out, I can build on a feeling of gratitude for what I have had in this community. And you, my beloved community, as you move into your future, it might be wise to consider with gratitude those who came before and who left you with a firmly grounded and healthy congregation. And if you can do that, you'll be ready for what comes next. Amen. In the Green Hymn Book, you'll find 
number 1009. As we go into a time of meditation, I invite you to join in this meditation on breathing. When love is felt or fear is known, when holidays and holy days and such times come, when anniversaries arrive by calendar or by consciousness, when seasons come as seasons do, old and known but somehow new, when lives are born or people die, when something sacred sensed in soil or sky, mark the time, respond with thought, or prayer, or smile, or grief. Let nothing slip between the fingers of the mind, for all these are holy things we will not, cannot find again. Let us enter a time of silence together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 322, Thanks Be For These, 322. I invite you to stand as you're willing or able.
chalice is extinguished, but its light lives on in the minds and the hearts and the souls of each one of us. So carry it with you when you leave this place and share it with those you know, with those you love, who knows who annoy you on Thanksgiving gatherings, and with the wider world. We invite you to join hands and sing Carry the Flame of Peace and Love until we meet again.